I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Welcome to this week's episode. Before we get started, just a reminder that you can now support the podcast by becoming a loyal lurker on Patreon. The cost is $5 a month, and you get at least two bonus episodes a month, shoutouts on the show, a sticker, and who knows what else. This past week, I actually released the episode a day early on Patreon. Our first bonus episode is up now and includes some EVPs for your listening pleasure. As I mentioned before, becoming a patron helps me pay for the cost of producing the show and will hopefully help update equipment and allow me to get some soundproofing in the studio. This week's episode, we're going to continue our Appalachian Trail journey through the state of Virginia. For newcomers to the podcast, The Haunted Trail is the title of a book that I've been working on that contains stories of the paranormal along the Appalachian National Scenic Trail. It also includes creepy or spooky stories as well. Anything that might creep you out while you're out backpacking on the trail. It was something that I started to encompass my love of the paranormal and my love of hiking in the outdoors. The Appalachian National Scenic Trail travels through 14 states from Georgia to Maine and is 2,198.4 miles long and is the longest hiking-only footpath in the world. The official name is the Appalachian National Scenic Trail, but is most often called the Appalachian Trail, or simply the AT. Many people do what is called a through-hike, where they take several months to hike the entire length of the trail. Most thru-hikers begin in Georgia at the southern terminus and travel north to end in Maine. Since that's how the majority of thru-hikers travel, I opted to share the stories in the same order. So far, we have covered Georgia in episode 57, North Carolina in episode 58, North Carolina and Tennessee in episode 66, Tennessee in episode 73, and part one of Virginia in episode 84. As I mentioned, we'll be continuing into Virginia. It will most likely take three episodes total to complete. Similarly, while hiking the Appalachian Trail, it takes longer to hike Virginia because it has the distinction of having the most 18 miles at 541.7, which is nearly a quarter of the total miles. So let's get started. We left off in Parisburg, Virginia. Directly on the other side of the AT from Parisburg is the town of Narrows. Narrows, Virginia is located in Giles County and was named for the narrowing of the new river that flows through the town. It was settled in 1778 and incorporated in 1904. The newly developed Great Eastern Trail and the Appalachian Trail intersect in Narrows making the town the only place where two major trails intersect. Narrows, Virginia is also an Appalachian Trail community. 
located at 117 MacArthur Lane in Narrows, sits the MacArthur Inn Bed and Breakfast. It was originally built in the late 1930s under the name The Narrows Inn. In 1941, Roosevelt renamed the hotel the General MacArthur Inn, making it the first building in the United States to be named after a World War II hero. It is a red brick, two and a half story building that has been many things. It started out as a hotel, then in the late 1960s, it was turned into a nursing home and operated as a nursing home, then an assisted living facility until the late 1980s. Then it turned into apartments before being left to fall apart and nearly get torn down. Luckily, a local contractor purchased the property and renovated it in 2009 and opened it as the MacArthur Inn Bed and Breakfast. During its heyday, the inn saw famous visitors like John Wayne, Audie Murphy, Mickey Mantle, and Michael Landon. Hopefully some of you know who I'm talking about. John Wayne was of course famous for his cowboy and war movies. Mickey Mantle was of course considered one of the greatest baseball players of all time, even if he did play for the Yankees. And Michael Landon was an actor in shows like Little House on the Prairie and Highway to Heaven. We'll be getting to Audie Murphy in just a little bit. Since its renovation in 2009, guests have reported flickering lights and misty shapes in the hotel. I did reach out to the hotel to ask about sending stories about paranormal occurrences, and they said that they would be sending me some, but I had not received any information as of this date. Once I get that information, stay tuned for some updates. Also in the area of Narrows, Virginia, are some ancient petroglyphs. The Appalachians likely once reached elevations similar to those of the Alps, Andes, and the Rocky Mountains before they were eroded down to what they are today. The Appalachian Mountains are some of the oldest mountains in the world. About 66 million years ago, the Appalachian Mountains had been eroded to an almost flat plain it was not until the region was uplifted 65 million years ago that the distinctive topography of the Appalachian Mountains formed. Running across and through the ridge and valley region of the Appalachians in the town of Narrows is the New River, which is believed to have existed before the second mountain building process began, which makes it a little bit odd to be called the New River. This era is known as the Age of the Mammals, this uplifting rejuvenated the streams, which rapidly responded by cutting downward into the ancient bedrock. Some streams flowed along weak layers that defined the folds and faults created many millions of years earlier. The New River is the oldest river on the North American continent, and second only to the Nile in Africa. It may have been on its present course for at least 65 million years, and flows directly across the Appalachian Plateau, not around or from it as most other streams of this region do. This river had to exist before the mountains were formed, as it has carved through more than 10,000 feet, or about two miles, of their strata. The New River Valley was an ancient passageway and migration route to or from the Ohio River Valley. It has been shown all over the world these early river valleys and passes are where most ancient civilizations chose to settle and prosper, whether it was for food, shelter, 
or for the Earth's hidden energy waiting to be harvested. Scattered across the area is a whole complex of petroglyphs of unknown origin. Before European pioneers colonized the western frontier of Virginia, the area lay within the sacred hunting grounds of the Cherokee. Ancient cultural influences detected at Clover Hollow include strange and mystical stone alignments. Facing each other across Sinking Creek are two rock outcroppings that stand there like the piers of a gate. The carvings on these gateposts are the same abstract facial features and artistic self-expression as found on all the rock formations at the site. They look as though they could be straight out of an Indiana Jones movie. All of the ancient rock carvings at the site are 3D in nature and could be described as petroglyphs of the broad type. There are other peculiar stone alignments indicating cultural influences that apply to all the rock formations. It shouldn't be surprising an ancient civilization of unknown origin has been found in the Appalachian Mountains. These mountains are ten times older than, for example, the Andes. And that's probably more information than you thought you were going to get about archaeological things in a paranormal podcast. Now we're going to be heading north to the Sarver, Sarver Hollow Shelter. The Sarver Hollow Shelter is relatively new, built in 2002 by the Roanoke Appalachian Trail Club to fill in a 22-mile gap between resting spots for thru-hikers trekking between Roanoke and Blacksburg. But, like all good stories surrounding new construction, this shelter was built near the site of an old homestead that, according to legend, has been haunted for decades. Henry Sarver built his family a two-story cabin in about 1859 in a hollow beneath Sinking Creek Mountain. Not long after the cabin was built, Henry and his brother went off to war. Only Henry survived the Civil War, returning home after surviving being a prisoner of war at Point Lookout. We've actually covered Point Lookout in episode 76. Henry's brother died at Pickett's Charge at the Battle of Gettysburg, so his wife and son went to live with Henry's family in the cabin. He and his family scratched out a life from the rocky terrain for more than 70 years. He and his family scratched out a life from the rocky terrain for more than 70 years, living in the cabin from the Civil War to the Great Depression. A family cemetery near the home site shows that many of the Sarver children died young. One of the only gravestones that you can read belongs to Mary Sarver, who died in 1909 at the age of nine. It seems that after the Great Depression, the Sarvers abandoned their home in the mountains, leaving it essentially intact. For years before the shelter was built, thru-hikers would camp inside the dilapidated Sarver home. Sometime during the 90s, the roof collapsed on the home. Today, the cabin is completely in ruins, but you can still find the stone chimney and the family cemetery. Through the years, hikers have heard ghostly footsteps walking in the woods. After dark, a ghostly presence shakes the campers awake in the middle of the night. The ghost sometimes shows up in photos, and you can hear the footsteps of an old man walking with a cane. The footsteps move right up onto the porch. Hikers have named the ghost George. One hiker shared this encounter. So there I was, lying in my sleeping bag, 
disappointed that we had missed our chance to see a ghost, and too hot to sleep in the summer heat. One by one, my companions drifted off to sleep. I closed my eyes and tried to get some sleep as well, and that's when I heard it. On the right side of the shelter, I heard a crunch on the gravel, like a foot stepping down. Then another crunch of a foot followed by a quick, lighter crunch. Then there was a pause, then again a crunch, 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 crunch. What could that be? I asked myself. It didn't sound like a deer or a bear, and it was too big to be a mouse. Then it hit me. It was the sound an old man would make walking with a cane. First one foot, then the other, quickly followed by the cane. This was it. I was hearing the ghost, the moment I had waited for all night. But now I was too scared to look. I kept listening. Crunch, 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 getting closer to the front of the cabin. Crunch, crunch, crunch. I still couldn't force myself to open my eyes. Then I heard the sound from a crunch to a hollow thump, but still in the same pattern. Whatever it was had stepped up to the porch. Thump, thump, thump. Another step on the porch. Thump, thump, thump. This was it. This was my chance. Whatever was walking out there was right in the middle of the porch. In one quick movement, I opened my eyes and sat up looking straight at where the sound was coming from. And there it was. Nothing. No ghost. No animal running away. No sound. Just an empty porch. If it was an animal, then it would have made noise running off the porch and over the five-plus feet of fresh gravel, but it didn't. The only thing that I have ever heard of that can disappear into thin air is a ghost. Remember that I told you that we would be getting back to Audie Murphy, that I mentioned in regards to the MacArthur Inn? Well, we're getting to him now. Audie Murphy, if you are unsure, was the most decorated U.S. soldier in World War II. After the war, he ended up in Hollywood, starring in a few movies. On May 28, 1971, Murphy, along with five others, were in a plane flying over Virginia when the plane crashed on Brush Mountain. All six people on board died. In 1991, the Appalachian Trail was rerouted to the top of Brush Mountain and past the area of the crash site. People hiking that area have talked about feeling the presence of someone there, often following them down the trail. There were also reports of hearing the sound of someone coming towards them on the trail, but then there was no one there. Others reported that at night they heard the sound of someone going through their stuff, but when they looked there was no one and nothing there. One hiker said, I'm not usually susceptible to ghostly encounters, but I was very much spooked by something that seemed to be following me down the trail in Virginia as I passed the crash site of Audie Murphy's aircraft. Continuing north, we eventually come to the Punch Bowl shelter and the sad story of little Audie Powell. In the late 1800s, there was a farmer by the name of Edwin Powell. He shared his property with his brother. Edwin was also a circuit-riding German Baptist Brethren preacher, who were also known as the Dunkards, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, meaning that he traveled around to different churches. Edwin and his wife Emma had eight children. One of them was four-year-old Emmett Powell. 
On November 9, 1891, little Emmett headed off to the schoolhouse with his brothers and sisters. On that morning, it was a particularly chilly, cloudy, one-mile trek to the schoolhouse. As the kids were leaving, Emmett stopped and asked his father if he could stay home and help him with the work on the farm, but his father said no. One interesting thing about this story is that Edwin Powell, Emmett's father, had a strange dream the night before. In the dream, Edwin watched as a black undertaker's wagon pulled along a road. It stopped, and Edwin walked to it and climbed inside. An old man was reclining in the rear of the wagon who said, This is my house. There was also a foot-long casket in the wagon with no lid, and above it a small light floated. Edwin woke with a start from the dream and told his wife about it. He was unable to fall back to sleep. Anyway, Emmett and his siblings are heading to school, and it was a typical day at the one-room schoolhouse. During recess, the boys were asked by their teacher to collect twigs and branches for the wood stove before coming back to class. They had to travel a little further than usual because they had already collected the best wood that was closest to the schoolhouse the day before. The boys returned with the branches they had collected. The ruckus from unloading the wood and returning to seats meant that it was 20 minutes until it was noticed that little Emmett had not returned with the rest of the students. The teacher looked outside, and when she didn't see Emmett, she sent the boys out to look in the area where they were collecting wood. When they returned without finding Emmett, the teacher sent the kids out to Emmett's home and other nearby homes, but no one had seen little Emmett. Everyone in the community began searching. By nightfall, the light rain that had been falling turned to snow at the higher elevations. Hundreds searched for Emmett, but the only thing that was found was a half-mile trail where Emmett had dragged a large branch. But the trail was headed in the wrong direction. Young Emmett had gotten turned around and left behind by the other boys. Five months later, on Sunday, April 3, 1892, hunters found Emmett's body about three and a half miles from the schoolhouse. The punch bowl shelter is not far from the area where Emmett was found. There were reports by hikers that a ghostly little boy was visiting the shelter. He was seen standing near the shelter crying and then wandering away. Others have encountered a small boy who asks for help and then suddenly disappears. Some hikers have felt something or someone poke them hard in the ribs as they're trying to sleep and others hear the sound of a small boy crying for help. To appease Emmett's spirit, hikers leave small trinkets and toys like soldiers, cars, etc. at the monument, marking where he was found. And just to clear up the discrepancy, I referred to him as Adi Pal in the beginning and then started talking about Emmett Pal. They are one and the same. There was a person who erected the monument marking where his body was found and they called him Adi Pau. His name was actually Emmett. As we make our way north, there's an area between the Punchbowl Shelter and the Brown Mountain Creek Shelter known as Scare Rock. In the area lived a landowner who was known to be cruel to his tenant farmers. He would beat them and take large portions of their yearly crops. One night, the landowner was traveling by horseback along Brown Mountain Creek. As he passed by Scare Rock, a large shape leaped onto his back. 
Horse and rider were both terrified, and the horse took off at a gallop. The dark figure finally lost its grip and fell. The landowner arrived home and took to his bed, where he died shortly after. The next morning, the horse was also found dead. So, maybe if you're hiking along that stretch, you might want to make sure you're not an ass, just in case. Next up is the Cow Camp Gap Shelter, and this place has a spooky story and also a murder. Back in the mid-1980s, when life was simpler because I wasn't an adult, hikers saw a tall figure walking towards the shelter after they had made camp for the night. The figure was very tall and wore a brown fur coat. The hikers had their dog with them, and the dog began barking at the approaching figure. One of the hikers invited the man over for a hot beverage. It was December and pretty cold outside. And before you think that it's odd for somebody to invite a stranger over for a hot beverage, I will tell you that the hiking community is one of the nicest and most inclusive groups of people that I've ever come across. It would not be strange for backpackers or hikers to invite a fellow hiker to come join them. Anyway, they invite this strange man, or whatever, over to enjoy something warm to drink, and when the figure turned towards them, they could see its face. It was human-shaped, but not human in appearance. The dog began making a strange gurgling sound and seemed to, ha seemed to have lost control of its back legs. It was as if the figure was able to cause the dog pain from a distance. The figure left and the dog remained on alert the rest of the night. Locals in the area referred to the figure as the brown man. During the time of the sightings, there were also reports about missing dogs and cattle. If I had to guess, I'd say this is possibly a Bigfoot-like creature. I don't really recommend inviting Bigfoot over to your tent for a cup of tea. Maybe a beer and some beef jerky, though. Okay, now we're going to be talking about a murder, and this one is currently unsolved. 30-year-old Scott Lilly from South Bend, Indiana, was taking some time to hike the Appalachian Trail on a journey of self-discovery. He started out on his journey on June 15, 2011, and was hiking southbound from Maryland to the southern terminus of the Appalachian Trail in Georgia. Scott Lilly was a Civil War enthusiast, which was most likely the origin of his trail name, Stonewall, for General Thomas Stonewall Jackson. The last time anyone saw or heard from Scott was July 31st, when he climbed the Priest, a mountain on the trail in Virginia that is 4,063 feet tall. That night, he stayed at the Priest shelter, and he was planning to head south to the Cow Camp Gap shelter. The Cow Camp Gap Shelter is located just over half a mile off the Appalachian Trail. Specifically, it's 0.6 miles. A lot of shelters are just off the trail, often near water sources. On Friday, August 12, 2011, hikers came across a body in a shallow grave along the side trail to the Cow Camp Gap Shelter. It was Scott Lilly. His cause of death was asphyxia by suffocation, and it was ruled a homicide. Scott Lilly's blue or purple backpack, his new Ozark Trail brand hiking shoes, a Nintendo game, and an Appalachian Trail handbook 
were all missing. In 2012, the FBI offered a $10,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Scott's killer. The investigative team that included the National Park Service, Appalachian Trail Rangers, U.S. Forest Service law enforcement officers, the FBI, and Virginia State Police conducted 83 interviews of hikers, trail maintainers, and others, including through hikers known to have been in the area during that time period. As I said, this case remains open. And on that note, that's going to do it for this episode. We have a part three of the Virginia Haunted Trail coming up in the future to finish out the state. Remember to mark your calendars for June 24th, August 26th, and September 30th for the Bigfoot festivals happening in Sykesville, Maryland, Reynoldsville, Pennsylvania, and Whitehall, New York. Lurk will be vending at all three, so make plans to stop by if you're in the area. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. And until next time, keep lurking. Keep lurking.